We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Hello everyone, welcome to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio. It is a NFL Draft Preview Edition, as today we will be looking at the AFC West. We'll be talking Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos and Oakland Raiders as we look ahead to the upcoming draft. My name is Colin Kelly. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. On today's edition, I am going to be joined by Ryan Tracy of Locked On Chiefs. I'm looking forward to talking to Ryan in just a couple of minutes in this season's NFL Draft Preview Series. We have been having a look at all 32 teams with eight reporters, eight separate podcasts, looking at all eight divisions, and we have had some fantastic conversations, so do check those out. We're covering the team needs, free agency, draft rumors, and basically everything you need to know between now and day one of the NFL draft, and even a little bit after the draft as we get ready for the 2019 season. As I mentioned on today's show, it is the AFC East. I'm going to be joined in just a little moment by Ryan Tracy of Locked on Chiefs. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Tracy. NFL. 
Ryan is also the founder of Rogue Analytics. We'll be talking to him in just a little moment. Before we get Ryan on the show, I just want to let the listeners know, as always, that you can get a 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage. That is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. With the draft so close, we've been covering all the prospects. We'll be looking ahead then with those prospects and their landing spots as they get ready for the NFL season, how we think they will do, along with the more established veterans around the league. We have it all covered on rotoviz.com. So just by being a loyal listener to the podcast you can save yourself that 30% discount as well so once again that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast you'll get access to all our nfl content and tools and best of all it helps support the podcast so without any further ado let's get ryan on the show ryan my pleasure as always well thanks for having me back i appreciate it um, it's always it's always good so there'll be lots of information coming up the, the division last year i guess we'll start off with a general overview when you look back at this division uh, the chargers and the chiefs ran it very close um very exciting down to kind of the final weeks and how the, the pl- how the playoffs were decided and everything like that and obviously the chiefs still have some regrets um with how it finished off uh, against the patriots but when you look back in the excitement of patrick mahomes and what philip rivers also done down there with the chargers um what's your thoughts looking back at 2018 on, on this division as a whole you know, I think what the Chiefs were able to do got them a bit ahead of where they expected to be overall as an organization because as good as Patrick Mahomes was coming out in the draft and everything, it, it was still a bit of a of a reach to think that he was going to become the MVP in one season. <laughs> um, and likewise, I feel like the Chargers were a bit caught off guard as well. I think they felt like they really had the front position uh, to run towards taking that division back. And, uh, you know, a couple of hiccups, not quite as injury riddled as they usually are. Uh, but I, I think that really threw them. They came out hard that last game against the Chiefs and were really making a push. But uh, I expect them to be right back in the thick of it this season. Yeah, and it's probably better off. We'll, we'll look ahead for the Broncos and the, the Raiders rather than look back at last season. We'll, we'll keep it positive. But wait, look, we'll start off with the, we'll start off with the Chiefs. And uh, when we look at their, uh, you know, kind of draft picks at the moment, obviously one first round pick at 29. Then they have the 61st and the 63rd pick, two in the second round, and then a third round pick, and then a gap to the later rounds down to the fifth round. So, a nice haul there in those first three rounds where they could really uh, stock up on a number of positions. Where is it that you think that this team really needs to improve on to be able to to step forward and, and to make it a step further this year and get back to the Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl rather? Well, I like the sound of that back is something I'll say in future years, hopefully. <laughs> uh, you know, really, it comes down to correcting what, what you knew was a weakness in that uh, you had a lot of trouble giving up a lot of big pass plays some issues covering in man uh, safeties that uh, were either young or weren't up to speed athletically, uh, you know, trying to correct those things that you already knew about. And then the debacle going with your edge rushers that you had to move on from both of them, uh, huge contracts coming for both. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of makeup going on there. And I think this is part of their plan as well. Um, and they're going to take the attitude that by leveling the playing field and being good, across the board on the defense rather than so strong up front and so weak in the back uh, I think overall they're looking to improve the defense that way yeah and when you look at this team uh, obviously some differences made in free agency one of them taking in Tyron Matthew who maybe isn't at the level that we had looked at him prior to some of those injuries back uh, with the Arizona Cardinals but still a very very talented player um, and I think could help improve this defense and when we look around you know the, the rest of the team will remember back to when Kareem Hunt was with the team and obviously cut by the team now things have changed there Damien Williams came in and really burst onto the scene um, what is your thoughts on on Williams is coming up to the draft do you think that they are confident in having him moving forward as the lead running back or do you think there's going to be a move to try and bring in uh, somebody there to maybe become that 
bell cow at the position. I don't know that they're looking for a bell cow. Andy likes to play his style of offense first and foremost, uh, using the running back as a chess piece to either either be able to split out or to catch passes out of the backfield and run when they need to. And I think Damian Williams fits that mold. I think they paid him uh, that extension on purpose so that they had him as an option. I don't think they're looking to replace him as the primary runner or, or at least the first guy. Uh, but I do think they're looking to supplement him. Um, they have a young guy in Daryl Williams that is more of a power runner, but is very good catching out of the backfield. So they feel comfortable with him. Uh, I personally am very big on his future, and I'm looking for that to come along. And they just uh, signed this offseason in Carlos Hyde, another guy that can run between the tackles, can catch as well. Um, so I think they're really looking to bolster the committee overall without really looking to replace Damian. Um, but I don't think they're going to spend a lot of draft capital on it. I think it would be a late day three pick, if not UDFAs, because we've seen across the league that uh, undrafted free agents at this particular position can make rosters and make a difference. Yeah, and when we look at this team, you mentioned Carlos Hyde. Now, I'm I'm not a big Carlos Hyde fan, but there's no doubt when you mentioned the committee approach, it makes sense to have somebody like Hyde in there as well. Uh, when we look then, obviously the news has gone on with Tyreek Hill, and it's very hard to speculate exactly what's going to happen with that. But when we look at the, the team in terms of their depth, you know, wide receiver has been somewhere where it's been mentioned as a possible place that they might use one of those first four picks on. Uh, do you think it's an area that they need to use a pick on based on, I thought when Sammy Watkins was healthy last year, he was very productive when you have him Tyreek and then obviously you have Travis Kelsey do you think using a pick that early on a wide receiver is something the team needs to do or do you think it's something they should shy away from I think they need to do something at, at either tight end or wide receiver another weapon uh, in the first two days in the top 100 I wouldn't use it in the first pick certainly um, but anywhere after that I think if they find a guy that uh, fits what they want and is higher on their board than say some of the defensive positions available at the time I think that's a good use of those picks yeah and see when we look down at the the first kind of two rounds i think we're looking at uh likely cornerback and defensive end being two positions that they likely target there maybe somebody like a byron murphy out of washington or a, a jill on ferguson at defensive end out of louisiana tech is there any names that you've heard that are being mixed in and do you think it is definitely two defensive side of the ball players that's likely to go in those first two picks i think that's most likely not just because the chiefs have need there but because there's a plethora of talent at those particular positions. I think safety is a little thin. Um, off-ball linebacker is very thin. But the D-line in general uh, and the ends in particular, especially knowing that the Chiefs are going to uh, a 4-3 look, more of a, a power-based pass rush rather than um, the smaller outside linebacker methodology, I think there's a lot more options in this draft. Uh, and some players that I think are going to be available, like Electrically and Farrell, that are going to be down uh, lower end of the first round that, they might have to move a little bit for, but I don't think it's going to be terribly shocking. Um, and there's a lot of developmental guys that have either a lot of power or a lot of bend, and, and you can move them around and get some things out of them. Jalen Ferguson's a bit of a stretch for me. I feel like he's probably a day three guy. I think his athleticism just puts him in a range that you don't want to spend a real high pick on him, maybe that 93 for the Chiefs. But uh, a lot of folks are very high on Rashawn Gary. I kind of feel like he's not really a top 10 pick, and he might be available later. Uh, but that's I'm kind of out on a limb on that one. Yeah, and it's interesting. I've done a couple of these preview shows heading into the draft. A lot of teams seem to have a lot of needs on the defensive side of the ball. So we could see those players yeah, get snapped up a little bit sooner than maybe we expect as well. When we move away from the Chiefs, uh, who I, I expect to fully be back in the mix again for the playoffs this year, we look at the Chargers. Obviously, Philip Rivers, there, there's always 
the hope that he he eventually gets to a to, to the Super Bowl and maybe gets a win. Obviously, the the Chiefs fans out there won't want that to happen. But when we look at the Chargers, there another team who has quite a good uh, stockpile of picks in those first four rounds. One pick in each round, and that first round one coming at number twenty eight. Uh, I think overall they're they're a pretty solid roster but i think there's a lot of positions where they could try and upgrade is there any areas where this team really you think needs to step up and another thing that you know i i think this team really goes as far as philip rivers goes so it's probably not that good of an idea to be using picks on quarterback do you think they just ride rivers out and worry about quarterback after he packs it all in you know, I, I would say that you want to get someone in there that can learn. But, again, this is a class that I think is real top-heavy at the quarterback and then a lot of developmental guys. And trying to be able to pick and choose uh, who might develop in your scheme under uh, Rivers' direction, uh, man, that's, that's a tough, tough thing to accomplish. And I feel like they can, but they may be in a position where maybe they do let that go another year. I have a feeling that Rivers isn't quite done uh, Getting, I think, closer to playoff success and, and on trying to make a Super Bowl run here at the end of his career, whether they do uh, make the playoffs this season or not, I think you're in for another couple of years of Philip Rivers. Yeah, I think so too. But when you look at this roster, I'd probably say they're definitely a top 10 overall roster in the NFL. I think defensively, to start last season, they were extremely strong. They started to drop off a little bit around the mid-season point. But with players like Joey Bosa there, and then you know, there's just so much talent at the back end of that defense. I think there's a lot of positivity. You know, Last year, Derwin James and Desmond King both uh, were first-team All-Pro, and you know they have Mel- Melvin Ingram as well there. So I think this team has a lot of ways that they could go about this draft. Uh, looking at the team and looking around the division, is there any areas you think you expect them to, to try and go early with those picks? You know, the two that I would look at, again, are on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they did lose Tyrell Williams, so a you know, wide receiver wouldn't be out of the realm. Um, but I think they should look mostly at trying to put a, an over-the-top deep single high type safety to pair with William uh, Derwin so that he can move around and do what he does best. Uh, I think that's not unheard of. And there are a number of options that I think can play deep for them that would give them something they can build upon and really try to concentrate and force teams to look at the underneath type routes. Uh, And that's something that would be a big boon for them as well as I think they need help with the linebacker position, the off ball kind of coverage I think is something that they want to try to take a serious look at to make everything funnel again into that middle section so they can try to keep things contained and try to limit what other offenses can do, which will allow you a little more breathing room on the offensive side of the ball. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. 
Yeah, and you mentioned Terrell Williams as well, obviously moving out of town. I think it's a, a stage now where Mike Williams, we've seen him have flashes. I think this is a big step up for him to see if he can step into that role, obviously taking as a first rounder a couple of years back. You have Hunter Henry, Henry come back from injury as well. I think they might be looking for a bit of depth behind him at tight end. And then obviously they have Keenan Allen there as well. So I think it's uh, intriguing and uh, Mike Williams still still one of those players that I think has a very high upside. I do like his upside and if he is healthy enough, uh, he's a guy that can make a difference. Absolutely. And uh, running back then, obviously if Melvin Gordon, uh, he had injuries towards the end of last season. I think that affected him. But overall, I think, uh, as you mentioned, defensively is where they look on on this uh, draft overall we look then at the denver broncos obviously i guess we'll start with uh, joe flacco um what's your thoughts on have they have they improved the quarterback position this offseason uh, that's uh that's a flip of a coin at that point um the days of being wacko for flacco are, are long <laughs> gone although the struggles that keenum had i, I think maybe offset that i i think clearly they need to take a long look at, at weapons inside for him. Um, long time he's been uh, dependent on his tight ends. They did sign uh, Jeff Uerman, which I think is a bit of a stretch of the contract that they gave him, but I'm looking for them to, to try to incorporate some more offense. Uh, to go with uh, Sutton, who I, I think they brought in and they feel positive about. Try to get another slot weapon, I think, because there are a number of slots in this particular draft uh, that I think could help them out, and I think that would help Flacco quite a bit. Yeah, I think so. I, I just think it was a, a strange move. I think, you know, John Elway at the start of his time obviously got a lot of positivity around having Peyton Manning there, the high-scoring offenses. Then they had the defense that got them to the Super Bowl. But I think uh, there's a lot of questionable decisions over the last couple of years in terms of where this team is uh, heading towards. So I think, you know, you look at some of the star players that are on the defensive side of the ball. You have Emmanuel Sanders obviously getting older as a veteran presence. Uh, you mentioned Sutton. I think there's a, a big chance for him to step forward but I think there's a lot of areas on this offense that could be improved upon we looked then at like a key area of their offense last year where we probably thought going into the season we were going to have Royce Freeman be the, the lead back and then obviously uh, we have a big change with Philip Lindsay basically coming from nowhere and uh, having a phenomenal season what's your thoughts uh, one year in on what the, the running back situation might be like here uh, with the Broncos and I wouldn't expect them to take anything here in the draft but do you think Royce Freeman with the draft capital that's invested in him can possibly surge back into the, the, the main role here? Yeah, I, I am. I remain a little bit skeptical about that. I think he is a guy with a, a fragile mentality about what his role is, and I think Lindsay has clearly taken over that backfield. And I don't know if he's capable of being the, uh, the battering ram type complement uh, all by himself. I, I would look for them to add a couple of pieces, uh, probably in UDFA, uh, that maybe can supplant that as well and try to expand that committee so that uh, you don't limit yourself just to the two of them because at the end of the day, while Lindsey was very productive, um, he, he is still a very small player for the position. And running backs are notoriously uh, not so aimed at longevity. Uh, I, I don't want to count them out, but I think that you want to guard yourself as a GM uh, against being in a position where your prime running back could be out for a number of games as the season wears on or, or a second season of high volume. 
So I would definitely be looking to kind of fill up that committee room. Yeah, and I think when we look back at last season as well, and we look at the first round, you know, you have Royce Freeman, um, you know, you have the situation that happened down in Tampa Bay as well with the their running back situation. So there, we talked about last year's draft class being so good in terms of the running backs, and in terms of how they have played so far, there has been a lot of stars in that class, but... Uh, you know, outside of Barkley, the other ones maybe haven't been the ones we thought. It's been kind of some of the guys lower down. Uh, you look at like Geis as well with the Washington Redskins, who was out for the season with the ACL. So uh, it's been a little bit of a disappointment so far. We'll see if uh, Royce Freeman can have any production this year. But I, I do expect this Broncos team to, to really need to have a strong draft to to have a chance to compete this year. I, I do think that they're playing a lot of catch-up with the two teams we mentioned at the start of the show and the Chargers and the Chiefs. A team who was playing a lot of catch-up last season and is the Oakland Raiders. When we look at them, and they obviously have a huge stockpile in terms of what they're doing in this draft, um, how, how do you see it shaking out? Do you think we can see them really step forward? You know, they have the fourth pick, the 24th pick, the 27th pick, and the 35th pick. So lots of chances to improve. We did question some of their decisions last year and moving Khalil Mack and moving Amari Cooper, but uh, how quick can how quick can this team start to, to challenge those top two teams? It's I think it's a couple of years away, yet they, they may be in Vegas before they start to do that. You know, I think they can make a big move forward this season, though. I don't know they'll be ready to compete this season uh, because I think they're going to need uh, those four picks. I, I look for some fireworks. I think they may only make three selections in that in that group. Uh, but I do feel like once you get them in, a, a year's worth of seasoning on, on this particular coming draft class is going to be in a position to really help them. And I, I have a lot of faith in Mike Mayock as a, an evaluator and somebody that can – hold up to the uh, irresistible force that is John Gruden. <laughs> so I feel positive about having a little bit more balance in the direction that they go in terms of uh, evaluating and selecting the players uh, for their roles. But I do feel that putting that much pressure on a, on a rookie class is going to be a little bit heavy. Uh, I also want to say that I do feel like moving Mac uh, and Cooper was something I think was in preparation for really retooling the whole scope of what this offense wants to do. And so I'm looking for a little bit more quickness on offense. I'm looking for a little more uh, power and and toughness on defense. And I think uh, the Mayak-Rudin uh, combination is really going to pay off there. Yeah, and uh, when you look at it, um, you know, it's a, a team where we did uh, touch on the two trades there, the Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper trade. Then obviously they've taken in this offseason uh, Antonio Brown. We all know what's going on with Antonio Brown uh, this offseason, but they also took in, as you mentioned, Terrell Williams. They have Ryan Grant, who had some impressive play uh, with the Colts last year. And then when you look at uh, JJ Nelson, formerly of the Cardinals as well. So I think there's a lot of positivity around uh, the, pa- the pass game here. We'll see what happens when that's moving forward. But who is going to be leading that pass game? Do you think there's a chance that they go with uh, you know one of those first round picks, particularly at number four, and, and go quarterback, or do you think Derek Carr is as safe and established as that uh, quarterback heading into 2019? That really is the magic question, and I will not be surprised if John Gruden has fallen in love with some prospect at the quarterback position that he can bring in. I just don't know if it's going to be at four or if it's going to be lower down, or even at 35. But I think there is going to be someone, because when you when you think about what John Gruden's done over the last few years, and uh, everyone likes to give him static about his over-positivity on television uh, and, and his QB camp evals, <laughs> I, I think in general he is a guy, as a coach, that finds positivity in what he can do with a particular player. Uh, and I think that this class is interesting enough that I don't know uh, if I believe the rumors about Kyler Murray being in his sights, but I do believe there will be a quarterback that he feels he can develop behind Carr 
uh, and kind of do the Mahomes plan. Uh, and let that rookie sit for a season. Yeah, and I think when you look at it too, you know they have Mike Glennon behind Derek Carr. They also have Landry Jones. So I definitely think you you need to be uh, investing in somebody at least to be that third choice, but somebody who possibly has that second choice to be able to develop into the starting quarterback. And I think what will be interesting is I I think number four is too early. I think if we see a quarterback slipping at that twenty fourth spot or twenty seventh spot, we could possibly see them trying to move up just to to get somebody. I I wouldn't be surprised like you mentioned if the quarterback position uh, there's a little bit competition but you know even if it's a year or two down the line to have somebody in the building behind Carr because while Carr has done some good things in the NFL I think there's still quite a few flaws in this game so it's going to be interesting to see moving forward you mentioned defensively uh, obviously that's a key area I need but before we finish up and get to the defense we look at uh, offensively the running back position I think that's an area that is very likely to, to be heavily invested in by this offense too obviously they've signed Isaiah Crowell they have Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington but I think we would have to see a running back likely drafted by the Raiders. Do you think that's a, a true reflection on the on that running back room? I, I think it is. I think John is a guy that wants to rely on the running game when he can. I think Richard's an interesting player. Uh, Coel is, is, is a stalwart, but I don't think either of them are really feature backs. So I, I do look for more of a between-the-tackles, power-oriented kind of move the chains when they need it back would be what both Mayock and Gruden might be looking for. And I think there's a number of those guys because while the running back class this season is depressed, I I don't think there are any elite players in it at all. Uh, There are a number that I think can grind out yards for you and have enough athleticism to be productive. uh, And they can be, you know, second day picks certainly and be good value yeah i think there's a lot of those kind of committee guys or you know we'd call them plotters there's no real three down backs that uh, we see coming out here but when we look at the raiders as well defensively linebacker cornerback edge you know at the defensive line a lot of teams needing those positions do you think that's really the key focus here is to to make this uh, defense be competitive uh, compared to what they have been over the last couple of years i think they have to and i think it reflects their their terminology and their philosophy in that they've gone out and, and spent money to bring in free agents at the linebacker level in Brandon Marshall, as well as Montez Burford, uh, in order to have that experience level that they don't have to go spend in the draft. Because the linebacker class is very top heavy. There's a lot of maybes down below, but I don't feel like they feel they can really bolster that unit without having gone through free agency. And I think starting at the middle of that defense, they've invested in the, in the front They've got a couple of bit players in the back. You know, if they can get that middle shorn up, I feel like they'll be a little bit more competitive and, and give themselves a foundation that they can build on for future. Yeah, and I guess we'll finish up with their fourth overall pick. Uh, if you had to make a prediction now, I would imagine that they're hoping somebody like Josh Allen gets to them uh, at four. You know, out of Kentucky, uh, is he somebody you think is a realistic expectation to to get to four to them? And do you think if he's there, they they pick him up? I'm not sure that he'll get there. I know the Jets are trying, yeah. <laughs> uh, rumored to be trying to move out of three. Um, I don't actually have Josh Allen as a top ten pick on my board uh, because he doesn't play the run that well. He, he doesn't have, a, have an inside counter that's very effective. He is a great speed rusher, and quite honestly, he plays coverage nearly as well as he rushes. I, I think he could be a great sandbacker in the right system. Um, and if he does fall there, I think they'd have to take a hard look but if I know Mike Mayock from his years, he is intrigued by versatility and athleticism. 
uh, and general toughness. And I think Ed Oliver might be a guy that they have to look at. Yeah, I was going to say, to you, you mentioned that he's not in your top 10, which a lot of people would have him there, including myself. But uh, who who is uh, the best defensive player for you in this draft, in case it's a, a little bit different to the listeners may expect? You know, overall, at the top of my board is Quinn Williams, uh, followed by Nick Bosa and Devin White very closely. And then you get into uh, that 8 to 12 range. And I would have Brian Burns, Ed Oliver, and Josh Allen in there. I just feel like Allen is more that, that 8 rather than the 5. Um, and don't hold out on uh, Christian Wilkins, uh, another interior player that I think is uh, right now flying under the radar a bit. Re- really good stuff there. I always like to get uh, views that are a little bit different to what, what I'm expecting. So that, that that's good good info there and to, to dig deep before the NFL draft. As always, Ryan, it's been a lot of fun talking to you and uh, really enjoyable. Thanks once again for jumping aboard the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Once again, many thanks to Ryan for jumping aboard the show. It's always awesome having him on, getting his thoughts on all things Chiefs and, of course, as well, all things NFL. So we covered a lot of ground today. And as I do at the start of the show, I want to let the listeners know at the end of the show that you can always get yourself that 30% discount to an NFL pass at Rotoviz. That is through the podcast homepage. That is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. With the draft so close, and then of course we'll get really ramped up into things as we head towards the NFL season. Don't miss out on all that exclusive content over at Rotoviz. Get yourself that 30% discount and sign up today. That is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. And with that, it's going to do it for today's edition of the show. It's a special draft edition of Rotoviz radio i hope you really enjoyed this one i enjoyed recording it as always my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to Ireland. and until i'm back with another show have a good one Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.